Good evening, church, and thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name's Cole. I'm the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ, and this is Dan Spath. He's one of our elders. And here at Central Church of Christ, it's our mission to be God's heart and hands in this community and beyond. If you'd like to learn more about what we're about here at Central, you can check out our website at www.churchofvictoria.com. If you're listening to this on Spotify via the Heart and Hands podcast, I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. If you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to like and share. That really helps us out. And if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed and you have the bell turned on so you get notified every time we upload a video. As we We've noted in the in the past few episodes, our editor is she's doing a phenomenal job, and she's she's getting a lot of stuff up. She's she's cleaning up a lot of our messages. She she's cleaning <laughs> up a lot of stuff, so it's fantastic. So yeah. grateful, so thankful for that. She's doing a wonderful job. Um, we're going to be in Exodus chapter three. I know we finished about midway through chapter two. Mm-hmm. We're going to kind of summarize some of what happens the rest of chapter two, and we're going to move and, on to and chapter before, three. When we did we did look at the 400 years thing, because we did talk about that in, in the last, mm-hmm. we were, we were going to look at that, and we did find some text. We just can't find a text where it says that they were in bondage right. for 400 was, years. Well, God, I mean, they were there for 430 years, right. but you know we don't know, and I don't think you can figure find out for sure how long the bondage part lasted. Right. You know, actually, actually, they were enslaved because we don't know how long it was where the Pharaoh came in and said, you know, that didn't know Joseph. We don't know how long that was. Right. Correct. You correct. Know, it, it could have been it could have been 50 years, could have been 100 years. We don't know. Yes. But we know they were there for 430 years before they came out. Right. That we do know. Yes. And Stephen makes reference to this yes, in, Acts chapter, in Acts chapter 7. Uh, seven. Mm-hmm. And of course, God predicts it all in Genesis chapter 17. And so if you want to go 15. take a look at those, 15, 15 yeah. I keep doing, keep doing that, excuse me, rather Genesis chapter 15, yep. mm-hmm. uh, God talks about all of that. So uh, you can go check that out. Yep. Let's go ahead and pray and jump okay. into this. Father in heaven, thank you so much for uh, for this uh, opportunity we have to study together. Thank you for the for the avenue of this uh, this media. Father, we, we're so grateful for Sarah and what she's been doing, and, and we're just grateful for the folks that have been watching and listening. We know people are listening. We know that, that people have responded. We've had people come to us and tell us that, that they've, uh, they've learned from us, and, and they've watched us and started coming to church, and we're so grateful for all of that, Father. We ask your blessings upon us as we, uh, as we navigate through chapter 3 of, of Exodus, and uh, help us, Father, to present it in a way where our audience can understand and can learn. And thank you so much for the opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, brother. Well, we're going to begin. We're going to f- summarize uh, Exodus chapter 2. And so in Exodus chapter 2, where we left off, um, Moses had fled from Egypt. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Pharaoh found out about his murder and his uh, inciting of rebellion. And Moses fled. So mm-hmm. Moses fled. And he ended up in Midian where he uh, met some women who were trying to water flocks who were being persecuted. And so Moses says that the man with the plan jumped in and, and saved them. Saved the day. Saved the day. Because he's, he's the man. He's a man of action, don't there you know? You he, is a, he is a Hebrew. Got him in trouble in Egypt. Yeah. So he they learned. He just he, jumped he's in just, again. He's, he's got the plan, right? <laughs> yeah. and so he's, he is a man of action. Anyway, so we, after that, shortly after that, the uh, ladies take him back to meet their father, Raul. Uh, Moses ends up uh, agreeing to stay with uh, Raul. He ends up marrying Raul's daughter, Zipporah. Uh, Zipporah gives birth to Gershom uh, at that time. And during that period, the king of Egypt died. And I want to draw your attention down to those two verses, verse 23, Exodus chapter 2, verse 23, and Exodus chapter 24. During that long period, the king of Egypt, the Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out their cry for help because of their slavery. 
that groan went up to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. So that's how chapter 2 ends. God is taking notice of the Israelites in their bondage. And then we're going to be in Exodus chapter 3. And before we jump into chapter 3, brother, I just have a have a question for you. You know, it's we and we've talked about this. We've talked about needing to be patient, right? Mm-hmm. Needing to wait for God, right? Mm-hmm. Moses was the man with the plan and it got him in a lot of trouble, mm-hmm. right? Um, we know he knows of God, right? We know he knows that he is a Hebrew. We don't know how much he knows. How what is what do I need to do? Or what do our viewers need to do to be successful in waiting for God? I'll give you an example we used last night, okay? I'm going to preach this at some point so you can't use it, all right? Uh, okay. And and it's, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the I, I got a title kind of right in the back seat. Okay. And we went to the races, you know, we went to the races, me and Kevin, and we, and we used uh, Kevin's boss's truck. And, uh, and uh, you know, those two little boys went with us, and they sat in the back seat, completely content to be in the back seat. They didn't know where we were going. They'd never been there before. They'd never seen anything like what we were going to see. They'd never been there before. They didn't have any idea. They, they'd never been in that general direction. They'd not even been in this vehicle before. Okay? So all they knew is that Daddy was driving, Grandpa was in the front seat, and we were completely content to sit in the back seat and ride. And I think we need to have that same mindset. I just need to sit in the back seat and let God navigate the, the direction. I mean, I'm supposed to follow Jesus. And that, who is supposed to be leading the way? So where am I supposed to be? Sitting in the back seat. You know, in fact, it was so comfortable. On the way back, we stopped at Bucky's, and it had been a long day, and we, you know, we saw a lot of stuff and and uh, and got something to eat. And uh, after a little while, one of them so content goes to sleep in the back seat. You know, and it's, and, and, you know, Kevin and I are both tired. It's a, it's a, not a long drive, but it's a, you know, it's an hour and 45 minute drive and you get sleepy and you get tired and, and, uh, and, you know, but they're, so, they're just content. And I think, I think it's a, it, it shows an amazing what we should be. Just be patient. God's got this. Let him drive the car. Well, it's, it's fascinating too, to me, because we put our trust in, in sources that are so much less than God all the time. Oh yeah. All the oh, time. Yeah. You're going to, let, let me explain. We're going to, you're going to get on a plane flown by a guy. You've never met this guy. You are assuming or presuming. Maybe, no, no, depends no, no, no. Let's, uh, you're going to get on a plane. I ain't getting right. on a plane. So you're not, see, you're not going to do this, I'm but I've get gotten on a, on a plane and I'm sure a lot, a lot of you have as well, gotten on a plane and flown all the way around the world with a guy I've never met. I did, not, I did not meet this guy. He did not introduce himself to me. I don't know what his credentials were. I put a whole lot of trust and confidence in something I had not seen, and that's human authority. Mm-hmm. When I'm in the church, God's flying the plane. So why am I concerned? Mm-hmm. Why am I concerned? You know, from, from a, a minister's standpoint, right? There are all sorts of things to get concerned about. You know, preaching the word Preaching the word can be can be something that is is incredibly detrimental to your health. I don't know if you were aware of this, brother, but mm-hmm. they they've killed people for preaching yes, the word. Yes, I, 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 yeah, I'm aware yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm aware. So you know, uh, was it Zechariah who was killed in the temple? Yeah, he was killed in the temple between the altar, right? Yeah. On his way, they stabbed yeah. him in the back, right? Mm-hmm. So preaching the word is a it can be a very dangerous occupation. Preaching truth to power can be a very dangerous mm-hmm. occupation. I could lose my job mm-hmm. if I get up there and say something that isn't isn't. Mm-hmm. Right, I could lose my job. 
Uh, I have to, as a minister, right? I try not to look at or worry about what we we're just talking about the what the contribution is on Sunday. I try not to even look at that mm -hmm. because, and, and I love your perspective on it. Look, God's got it. Whatever it is, whatever it's going to be, low, high, don't matter. God's going to come through on what he, and it's that type of contentment that we all need. Not just me as a minister of the word who's, who's working in this capacity, but all of us. Mm -hmm. I think it helps if we know what God has said, mm -hmm. what, he's, what he has promised. Well, you know, it, we, 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 live in a, we live in a microwave society, man. Hmm. We want everything right now. We want God, right now. I got the and, answer, yeah. Yeah, and, and we think that we're so smart because we've got social media and we can jump to our phone and get, on, get anything we want. We get any kind of, we can get recipes and we can get, you know, we can get Bible verses. We get anything we want on the phone, anything. You get things you don't want on the phone. And yeah. people buy stuff on the phone. I know people that don't, they don't even shop. They just buy, they just use their phone. And we, and we trans, transition that over to God and think God's going to be like that. And so when it's planned, when, when things happen in our lives, and we talked about this last night in our small group, when, when things, you know, we were talking about Lindsay in, in, in Arkansas, and somebody said, I prayed for my sister-in-law, and I prayed hard for my sister-in-law, and she died anyway. And it was like, what? it's not fair, because Lindsay didn't die, and she's getting better. And, and, and the person that said this said, but you know what I've realized? That God's got a plan that I don't necessarily need to know all of the different directions. Evidently, he's got a plan for that girl in Arkansas that he didn't have for my sister-in-law. Both faithful people, but one of them died and one of them didn't. I don't have to understand what God's plan is. You know, those two little boys in the back seat, they didn't even know where we were going. They didn't know when we were going to turn. They didn't even know what road we were going to go on. They, they couldn't tell you right now what the road, what the road numbers are. They couldn't. They but don't care. They, but what did they know? They know what you told them. Yep. We are going here. Mm -hmm. And they had complete trust and confidence well, that that was what was And we happen. got there and, and, you know, I know you've never been, but you have to wear hearing protection. You have to wear earmuffs, headphones, and we've got good ones because we've been before. And, and so, and, and, but they didn't know that. Right. We had to, we, we went, got them out of the truck and took them and put them on and made them wear them. So it didn't affect their hearing because it's really, really loud. And, but they, they just trusted us. When are we going to start doing that with God? Moses is going to have to trust something here in chapter three. He's going to look at something and say, I don't understand this. Well, and his reaction is not only do I not understand this, but I, really I don't, don't want to go. do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Yeah. And you know, we've been telling these boys for weeks, weeks. I told you how month, month and a half mm -hmm. ago, we found out about that this was coming. And so we've talked about weeks and those little boys were chomping at that. They couldn't wait. Man, they were telling everybody at school, man, we're going Saturday. We're going my going my daddy. And we're going to the races. So they didn't know what that meant. They had no idea. No but, idea. But what I want to point out here is what they knew is what you guys had said. Mm -hmm. This is what we're going to do. And they banked on it. And they were completely content. And we were excited it about it. So it got them excited about it. Shouldn't it be like that with our father? Absolutely. He's told us what he wants more, to do. More than anything we do. But if we life. don't know what he has said, mm -hmm. I mean, it, it really comes back to that, right? The question was... How can we be successful in being patient and waiting on the Lord? That's, that was what the question was. And I think the answer that we've come to is it's twofold. You've got to know what he said. Mm -hmm. If you don't know what he said, you're not going mm -hmm. to be content. You're mm -hmm. not going to be mm -hmm. patient. You're not because you have no idea what he said. Mm -hmm. You have no idea what your father expects of you or not only just expects of you, but what he's doing, mm -hmm. right? 
So if you don't know what he said, that's part of it. You got to know what he said. But then the other part is you got to believe it. Mm -hmm. If he says, if you pursue my righteousness and these things, food and clothing will be added unto you, I believe it. Yeah. I'm going to believe that. Yeah. If he says, I don't need you to worry about worldly concerns, I've got that just in everything. The world prayer says it's not true. We've got to get past what the world says yeah. and just listen to what he says. Yeah, we can't We can't allow the faithless to dictate our faith. Well, they but they do. Mm. And we let them do that. Mm. That's a good point. We can't let the faithless dictate our faith. You know, and that's what we do. We let the faithless you know, we let the world, faithless world, dictate how we're going to react to God. Mm. Yeah. You know, and we got to stop that because that's not, that doesn't glorify God at all. Doesn't honor him. It doesn't, it doesn't please him yeah. because he's expecting a, you know, if, if the boys sat in the back seat and whined and bellied and griped and complained, I don't want to go. It would have made it for a miserable trip. Well, let's hold on to that because that's exactly what the Israelites are going to eventually do here. <laughs> um, of course, this is this, this. We'll get back to that. We're going to come back to that okay. thought uh, probably around Exodus 13 or 14, somewhere around in there. But we'll be back to it. So let's get into Exodus chapter 3. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'm going to go over there and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. That's an that, odd that, thing. That, that, that verse always amazed me. Okay. What it's like, he sees strange sights all the time. And I, mean, I think I'm going to go over and look at that thing. That's pretty cool to see. You know, did he not think this is some, something's happening here? Uh, you know, I don't know. That's, you know, you're out in the middle, you're a shepherd. You know, he's he's probably pretty far from what home. But bushes burn up flocks. just normal? No, but what I'm, I'm pointing out is when you see something out in, in nature or the wilderness that's odd, that you don't understand, you know? I mean, I don't necessarily think it's scary or frightening or or that it's going to lead somewhere. You haven't spent a lot of time in the wilderness, have you? I guess not. No. I guess not. I guess it's not. pretty obvious. <laughs> there are things in the wilderness that are scary. Uh-huh. This is abnormal. Mm-hmm. This you don't see. You don't see, you see bushes burn up. You know, I, you know, you can cut one down, burn it up in a fire, but you don't see one that's burning that don't get burned up. Well, and that's why he's going to look at it. I just don't know if, I just don't know if, if it should be something like, I mean, I figured the guy's experienced walking through the wilderness. He's experienced with, with the things that he's seen. And when he sees something that's weird, he's like, hey, I'm going to go check it out. Remember, this is a man of action. He's got the plan. So if this thing gets out, of, hey, if this burning bush thing gets out of control, I've got this. I'm sure that's what he's thinking. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. Let's see how that works out. All right. So and when the Lord. Uh, OK, so I'll go up and see the strange thing. Verse four. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. Moses, Moses. Now, hold up. Now the bush is speaking. And this this thing went off the rails in a quick, in a quick hurry. <laughs> Does he still think he's got this? Yeah, I don't know. I'm thinking. Uh, I, I'm not only is it speaking, but it knows me, right? So that's <laughs> it knew my name. Yeah, it knew my name. I got a bush burning here, talking to me, and it's got and it and he knows my name. And it knows my name, right? So <laughs> this is this is be, this has gotten past a strange sight. This has become personal, real quick, real, real quick. quick, real quick. Yeah. And he says, "And here I am." And that's an interesting, interesting thing. Uh, for him to say, of course, I know Samuel says the same thing. He gets mm -hmm. advised by Eli to say the same thing. Here I am, right? So verse five, do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. 
So he hears these things. He obviously understands them, right? Mm -hmm. He understands mm -hmm. that this is God. He understands the patriarchs. So we know he, he has some semblance of understanding here. But this is the first time that we're really seeing a character in Scripture hide from God. Mm -hmm. Abraham didn't do that. Mm -mm. He sat and waited on God. He didn't hide yeah, himself. This is, we've never had an experience like this, I don't think. Not like this. It's, Angels have showed up before. I don't know they like, like this, I don't know. I don't well, know. but I mean, remember when uh, when the Lord is on his way to Sodom and Gomorrah, it is the Lord who is there speaking I understand, to, but this to is, Abraham. This is God talking out of a bush. You know, I mean, his, I, I, his voice is thundering here. Ah, so you think there's, I, I think there's, there's more presence I think, the, going I think on. there's more presence here. I, oh, I think, okay. you know, I mean, he said that, that when have they ever said, get back from me where you're standing, it's holy ground. Take off your shoes. Mm -hmm. Never said that before. Right. Even the angel of the Lord didn't say that. Abraham fed them, got close to them, and they did, and he didn't, they didn't say that. Here, what happens? He said, stand back, Moses, stand back, take off your shoes. Because the ground you're standing on is holy ground. That means that means all the ground around that bush where God is, because that's God in that bush. Right. Wherever it all around. I don't know how far back. Uh, maybe Moses moves and he says, more farther, farther back, farther back, 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 back. I don't know how far, mm. but he but he tells him, and we've never had seen that before. This is the first time we've seen that before. And so Moses is is now now he's laying face down in the dirt. Mm. Now he's figured out. Now this is this is not just uh, a Pharaoh talking to him. This is not Ab Abraham is is on a mountain with a knife in his hand, and the angel stops him, and God says, "Now I know, you know, he's going to kill that boy." In his heart, Hebrews eleven says he killed him in his heart. That's right. Yeah, says he killed him. Yep. So he's he's on the downward thrust to kill that boy, and God talks, but doesn't tell him to take his shoes off. This is holy ground. Abraham knows it is. Because he sacrifices for him right there on that altar. But and God provides the sacrifice. This, God has actually come down. He could, this is not the first time it's gonna happen. I mean, this is the first time. It's not the last time. It, right, right, right. He's he gonna get on that mountain and God's gonna show up, talk to him again. That's then right. he then he's gonna have the elders from Israel come and he's gonna he's gonna show up there too. And I, I remember we'll get to it when it gets there, but you know it's, it there, it looks like look, like sapphire. Yeah, it's Exodus twenty three for around yeah, twenty three. Yeah, and when we get to that, that's a cool text. I love that text. You know what what must have been going through these guys' minds, man? You know, and what must be going through Moses' mind? I know. You know, I'm I can't get close enough to this dirt. Hmm. I can't get close. If I could get under the dirt, I'd get under the dirt. That's I'm sure that's what he's thinking. You know, because uh oh, man, I'm done. But let's move on. So verse 7, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. So he's on his face before this, this bush, this burning bush mm -hmm. that is God. And the Lord says, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So God's plan, the creator of the entire universe, and we're, he's going to disclose this to us in just a second. The creator of the entire universe, his, his overarching plan here to save these people is to send this guy. Mm -hmm. I find that fascinating. You know, he could, God could just, you know, and the nation of Egypt is gone yeah. and his people are, mm -hmm. but that's not the way God works. It's, it's, it's fascinating to me to watch how God works. Why, why work through Moses anyway? Why, I mean, is it, it's fascinating for what reason? I just, it's not what I would do. Okay. But you're not God. No, I'm not God. I think there's a reason I'm not God. But the, my point is, it's not how I would think. 
that this would go down. If God wants to lead his people out, then lead his people out. Mm-hmm. You know, what? he doesn't need Moses to do that. But you remember, God's got a plan. He does have a plan. He's got a plan. And he's used flawed, you know, flawed, That's flawed, right. flawed individuals. The whole time we've been looking, we look all through Genesis. I know. How many perfect people he used? None. No, <laughs> not, not a one. one. Not a they, one. All of them got issues. They're all of them train wrecks. Most all of them are train wrecks. Yeah. Yeah, it's very true. You know, the only one that wasn't a train wreck was Joseph, and his life was a train wreck because of his other people. You know, he's a good guy, but his life was messed up because of other people in his life. Moses, Moses is, is a, you know, he's he's not really a bad guy. No, I don't think Moses is a bad guy, not by any means. But he's, got, he's flawed. He is flawed, for he's sure. He's got some flaws in him, and well, God's, God shows up. And let's keep going. So, I mean, I think Moses is probably listening to this and he's thinking about time, you know. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Hold on, hold on, I got to go back. Moses is a warrior. Right. Okay. He's a warrior. Yeah. And I'm not a warrior. And and I look at this and that, that verse in verse 8, and I'm going, okay, you're going to give us the land. What about the people that live in it? What, did, what do you think, what are they going to do? You know, the, he hasn't showed Moses anything yet about his power over people. Mm-hmm. He just in a bush. I'm just I'm just thinking what Moses must be thinking. So I think I think there's a couple of things here. You know, he's on his face before he can't even look, right? He can't can't even look. We've we've determined he's probably on his face. He can't he wants to get under the dirt, yeah. right? That's kind mm-hmm. of the mindset. Mm-hmm. And so if that's the case, God starts saying, I'm gonna do this, right? That's what he says. He doesn't tell Moses you're gonna do that. He says, I have come down. Mm-hmm. I've come down. I'm burning in this bush right now because I'm gonna go rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians, and I'm gonna bring them up out of that land in a good, spacious land. I think Moses is listening to this and he's thinking it's about time. That's right. I tried it. Didn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, God, you need to do it. So you're going to do it. And he's getting all jazzed up here. He's thinking, yeah, yeah, that's right. He said he's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. I don't think Moses is an idiot. We've know, we know that he has been trained and educated as both a Hebrew and an Egyptian. Mm-hmm. And we know from what Acts says, from what Stephen says, he's, he's a very well-educated man. I, might, I would bet money that he knows who Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are. I would bet money that he is aware of the covenant promises of God. And I would bet money that when he's, when God says this, Moses is getting jazzed up thinking about time. God's going to come in and do this. What I love is how God's going to do it in verse 9. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Whoa. No, 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 no. You said you were going to do it. Now you're saying you're sending me to do it. Wait a minute here. <laughs> it just ended being a spectator sport. Yeah, it just, that's, that's no longer, incredibly no longer a spectator sport. Now, now I've got to get involved. If that's, that's right. And what, and what we pointed out, what you pointed out earlier, you know, God working through all these people. And I, and I said, you know, it's, to me, it's weird. Why wouldn't you just go do it? Because that's how I think as a person, mm-hmm. right? If I want something done and I want it done right, I'm going to go do it. I'm not going to ask anybody else to do it. And I'm going to know the only time I'm going to ask somebody else to do it is if I know it's beyond my capability to do. You know, I know if my car breaks down, if I want it done right, I better take it to somebody who knows what they're doing there. So I'm going to go find, I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to find somebody. And this has actually happened where I called you and said, hey, I'm having trouble with my vehicle. I need, who do I need to take this to, right? Um, 
And so I understand my limitations and my capabilities, or at least I think I understand my cap- mm-hmm. my limitations and my capabilities. Moses here, God is looking at Moses just like he looked at Abraham, just like he, like he looked at Isaac and Jacob and the and the, the 12 patri- the other 12, the 12 sons of Jacob. Um, he's looking at all these people and he says, I'm going to work through you. Mm-hmm. Serving God, I don't care if it's before or after the cross, has never been a spectator sport. That's no. the lie. That's we talked about, you know, having our faith dictated to us by the faithless. But the problem is, is we have turned it into a spectator sport. We've done that. We have decided that it's easier just to sit mm-hmm. and listen and criticize or sit and listen and dictate to others, but not to get involved. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been working really hard here trying to get this church to understand this is not a spectator sport. That's it right. is not good enough just to sit, plant yourself in a pew somewhere and sing, oh, how I love Jesus. That's not good enough. Well, and begrudgingly sing oftentimes. Well, well, however, you know, <laughs> but it, it's not good enough. And, you know, being a part of something and being involved in something, you know, getting involved, you know, you know, professional football for me, if for uh, is a spectator sport. That's right. That's right. It's not a participation sport. Never was. I'm never going to be that guy that's going to participate. I'm going to. It's a spectator sport. But God has drafted His church onto the field. Yeah, absolutely. So it be it, it is not a spectator sport. And it starts all the way back. I mean, it starts all the way back in Genesis Most when God went when God went walking through Ur the Chaldeans and knocking mm-hmm. on doors and looking for Abraham, saying, "I've got a plan." Yeah. I don't, yeah. me and you were going to save the world. And know? it's not going to be, a, you're going to be involved. You're going to be involved. You know, and here Moses is, you're going to be involved, dude. You're going to be involved. He got a lot of excuses why he shouldn't be. But verse 11, Moses said to God, right? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out? No, 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 God, I really need to keep sitting in this pew here. Don't you remember what happened <laughs> the last time I was around Pharaoh? What? Yeah, that's right. You know? But God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, so... Here's so, no, here's yeah, excuse number two. Now, yeah, now we're we, we, yeah. wheeling and dealing, right? Now we're trying to find what's going to work here. In verse 13, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them, right? I mean, if they ask me, you're, I, if I'm serving you, following you, right? The very least, I should probably know your name. And I don't know your name, so I am obviously not fit. I don't even know your name. So I don't know how I could possibly, you know, be the one to go and do this thing. So, but God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to the Moses, say, Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. So he's, he answers and he gives him a very thorough answer here on this is what my name is. This is what you are to tell them. So in verse 16, he says, go assemble the elders of Israel. You know, it's, it's fascinating to me up until this point when God has spoken, it has automatically occurred. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't exercise that authority over man. Not because he doesn't have it. Yeah. I, I, I don't don't hear something. I'm not saying I believe that God has full authority that if he looks at man and says, this is the way it is, man, he can give. He, it's his choice. It's his decision. It's God's decision to give man an option to obey or not. When God, when 
God spoke in the days of creation in Genesis. He said, let there be light, and there was light. We see this same type of power and control that Jesus will have in the Gospels when he silences the, the storm over Galilee. He says, be still, peace, be still, and everything stops. The waves stop, the wind stops, it all stops. It automatically obeys the creator of the universe. But man, God, look at how patient he is. I mean, you, we talk about a microwave culture. In my mind, if I, like my, with my son, I tell my son to do something and I expect immediate obedience. I don't expect him to him and haul. I don't, and, and I would not tolerate this type of behavior from him. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't. Why? Because we've been through this before. And there's going to come a time where God's not going to tolerate that behavior either. But we've been through that before. But God looks at it. And I think that's where I'm going with this. Does that is really how God looks at us like children? Of course. He looks at us of like course. children. He gives, he's patient with us. He's tolerant with us. Because now, there's an expectation of us, okay, like we have with any children. Sure. You know, I mean, you know, I, I expected those two little boys yeah, Saturday uh, to do what they were told and and to because, you know, we're, we are in a protection mode. OK, mm -hmm. when you're walking through the pits, you've got to be aware. You've got to be careful. I mean, there, there's there's things moving all the time. There's people there's cars going by and stuff. And uh, and, you know, there's four wheelers and golf carts and stuff and you can get run over. So we were right there with them. Didn't let them get close, you know, and and. And so we're, we're protecting them, watching over them. Now, as they get older and they keep going, as they get to be 12, 13, I won't have to watch them because they will have learned to be paying attention for themselves. Yeah. As we get older spiritually, God has to do less of that kind of protection and more of a different kind of protection. You know, he has an expectation of Moses here. Later on, he's going to have a different expectation of Moses because Moses is going to supposed to have matured and grown up. Well, he's going to have an expectation of him right here in this text. Yes, but, God's going to but what say, I'm saying is you, at you. some point, yeah. at some point, Moses is going to, God's going to have left him as a child and looking at him more like a teenager, just like we do our own children. That's right. You know, and, you know, for you and I, you know, there's an expectation from, you know, we just baptized James Foreman. Well, there's not the same expectation from God for James Foreman there is for me or for you. Right, right. Because the maturity level is not the same. Correct. So God has a different expectation. I can't get away from God doing the things that James Foreman may still do. I can't get away with that. You know, God was going to chastise me different because I'm, you know, you don't ch chastise a baby for things that a baby does. And you don't chastise a teenager the same as you do a baby. Yeah. Because they're not the same. Right. Moses here is a, is a child and that's exactly how he's treating him here. You know, he's being patient with him. He said, he said, you tell him, you tell him I am sent you. You know, which I think is if you go to John chapter eight, Jesus tells them they're all consumed. They all jacked up because they're Abraham's offspring. And he says, man, he said, he said, man, before Abraham was, I, I am. am. And he said, how can that be? He said, you're, you're not 50 years old. And Abraham had been gone a long time. He said, I'm telling you, I am. And he's telling them he was there. Right. That I am who I am. That's exactly what he says. Man, I am Jehovah God. Mm. And that's what what Moses just found out. This this burning bush is Jehovah Yahweh, man. He he is God. Man, Yahweh. So in verse 16, God is God has said, "I have satisfied your uh I've answered your questions, I've answered your problems. Therefore, go assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and Jacob, appeared to me and said, I have watched over you." And have seen what has been done in Egypt. And I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. The elders of Israel will listen to you, 
Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But I know, okay, so <clears throat> I'm going to point this out again here in this text because it's incredibly important. We're coming up to the covenant at Sinai. We need to understand mm -hmm. whenever the text reads Lord, if you're looking in your Bible and it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, this is the covenant name of God, what, what has just been given to Moses. Now we've seen it all throughout Genesis, right? Because we understand that Genesis is being written and told to the Israelites mm -hmm. as they wander through mm -hmm. Exodus, right? And so not saying that they had never heard the information before, but it was present, Moses was writing all of this stuff down during the wanderings and explaining these things to the Israelites during the wanderings mm -hmm. and details. And so whenever we see this in the text, that Lord, that capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, it's the covenant name of God, Yahweh, I am, I am who I am, right? That's mm -hmm. the name that's there. And uh, we need to understand it's in reference to covenant. So into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord, our God. And notice in verse 18, again, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. So this is, this is a covenant thing going on. And that's what we need to understand here. Verse 19, but I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. And I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed towards this people. What? Like the, the, this is, this is crazy, right? Not only, <laughs> not only, not only am I going to beat Pharaoh, mm -hmm. but I'm going to do it in such a way that the people are actually going to like all y'all. <laughs> what? And when we get over to the plagues, what? How in the world did that work out? How? I just, it doesn't, it's amazing what God can do. Oh. It's amazing. Yeah. You know, I, I'm sitting here listening to this and I'm thinking, I'm Moses, my face is in the dirt. I'm terrified, right? All this stuff is going on. All of a sudden, God is saying, I am going to save them through you. This is going to happen through you. This is this is what we're going to do. And I'm, 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 this is how this is all, this is all going to unfold. And he says here at the end, and so you will plunder the Egyptians. What? This is, this is, and you want to do this, you're going to do this, I'm going to be, be your representative to do that? Like, it just blow me away. It just well, blow me away. I, I look at this and I see, a, you know, this is a pretty powerful text about the, the nature and the magnitude of God. Mm -hmm. This same God reaches down into my life every single day mm. and, and, uh, does the things that a father does with a child every single day. Sometimes I recognize it. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I acknowledge it. Sometimes I don't. I'm a typical child. You know, I didn't, we didn't get a thank you from them two little boys. <laughs> they didn't thank us. Oh, thank you so much for this wonderful life experience that we had getting to go to the races and see that some of our friends, none of our friends have done this. And they, they know we didn't get any of that, but it's okay. It's okay. Even one of them uh, didn't really respond, really. But that's his personality. That's the way he is. And Kevin said, don't think that he didn't have a great time. He did. That's just the way he acts. That's just the way, he, you know, the, one of the places we went to, they were selling t-shirts and stuff. And, and they gave these two kids a big poster, right? You know, and, and the poster had all these cars on it. And he gave him a Sharpie and he said, look, he said, if you go to all these cars, these drivers will sign each one of those pictures. Well, we didn't have time to do that. 
you know, we get to the where the races are really going. They're, now we're doing eliminations, not qualifying, it's eliminations, and it's 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 intense. And Connor's sitting there on the on the thing, and he's and he can't take his eyes off of this poster. He's just looking at this poster, man. You know, and I'm going, yeah. He asked his, dad, his daddy asked him. He said, "Where are you going to hang that? You got to hang that." He said, "I'm going to hang it right by my bed. I'm going to hang it on the wall right by my bed, he, so he can watch it." He had a good time. You know, God God shows up, and sometimes we acknowledge, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we acknowledge in different ways, like Connor did the other day. He said, "I'm going to put it." I know he had a good time because I'm going to put that poster up right by my bed where I see it every day. You know, and and so sometimes God and God knows our hearts. He knows when we when we say thank you, Lord, or when we don't say thank you, Lord. Hmm. When we go to sleep at night in the middle of a prayer, because we're so content in the back seat, you know, that, that we can go to sleep, you know, with his name on our lips as we go to sleep. What what more honor hmm. can we give God than that? Well, do we understand that that's what he wants? And I think I think that's that's part he of He wants the us problem. to trust him. He Michael. wants us well, he wants <laughs> us to live. An abundant life. I yeah. came to give you life and to give it abundantly. That's mm -hmm. what Christ said. Yeah. To get there, we have to have trust and confidence like those boys had trust and confidence in what y'all were doing. Yeah. They didn't have to worry. I mean, there's there's a thousand, a trip like that, there's a thousand different things you got to kind of think about. There's all these little things and they're not big things. And we, some of them, we just, we, as adults, we just take into consideration as we go. And isn't it the same way for God? Mm -hmm. We look at all the stuff going on, on in our world right now. Moses is looking at all the stuff that God is saying right here, and his eyes are just probably big as diamond, you know, big as big as coins. You mm -hmm. know, can't can't even fathom how God's going to work all the mm -hmm. work through all this stuff. I'm looking at our nation today. I'm looking at, at people today, and I can't even fathom how God is going to bring about the things that He has promised to bring about. Mm -hmm. But I trust that He's going to do it, and I need to strive every day, and struggle every day, and fight every day to put off my own desire to take over and control and trust in him. That doesn't mean I'm not going to do anything. That's not what it means at all. I am going to do something. I'm going to pray about it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pray about things. I'm going to pray about difficulties and situations. I'm going to trust and believe that God is going to show up and God is going to take care of the things that he needs mm -hmm. to take care of. And in the meantime, I'm going to live a life worthy of the gospel. Well, I think what, what I want our audience to know is that if you're struggling right now, and if you're struggling and you're and you don't and you have no no sense of foundation under you at all, this is the same God that had, will, is reaching out to you today. He's reaching out to you, same God. He may not be reaching out to you through a burning bush, but he's reaching out to you like he reached out to me, like he reached out to you. He reaches out to us with 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 a powerful message that Jesus is the Savior of the world. That's right. That's a powerful message. And he's saying, I have I have fulfilled my promise to Moses. I've fulfilled my promises and I've showed up and I want to be your father. And I want you to be my child. That's right. It's a simple message. And all he requests of us is that we trust him and we come to him on his terms. That's all he asks. Yeah. And then live our lives, like you were saying, live our lives in a consecrated way that he's going to provide the consecration. That's right. Yeah. We don't have to do that. All we have to do is be obedient. Yeah. Our res my response to his righteousness, it's his right. It's not my own. Yeah. I'm not somehow making, qualifying no, myself no. here. Yeah, I, I'm worthless, but God is, is a, absolutely, a, you cannot put a value on him. Yeah. He makes me righteous. My reaction to his righteousness and his, his cleaning of me is to live. That's right. Live the way That's that right. he has enabled me to live. It's an amazing thing to be a child of the king. It is. It's awesome. It's an amazing thing. Let's pray. 
Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to to be introduced to you in a very special way this morning in Exodus chapter 3. Yeah. Uh, Moses Moses is going to get a, a healthy dose of, of learning and teaching from you, and, and we can learn a lot. What we learned this morning is that you are, that you're an awesome God, you're an awesome Father, and you're a Father that really wants a relationship with us. Father, help us to uh, to allow you to be our Father, and thank you, Father, for the for the opportunity to be your child. Bless us as we move forward. Be with our audience that they will understand, and if they don't, that we will clarify it as time goes along and as chapters go along. We'll clarify it more and more for them, so they'll they can have that relationship as well. Thank you, Father for the opportunities. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.